0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. I want to thank you for listening to the broadcast today. And today I want to talk to you about a very important subject, and I want to talk about the focus of our Prayers. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, you know that prayer is uh, is something that God commands us to do. Jesus instructed us how to pray. And so I want to talk to you today about the focus of prayer. Why do you pray? And uh, let's look at what Jesus said in this subject of prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous sermon ever preached in all of human history. It is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and uh, that's where we find the model prayer. That's where we find Jesus talking about the whole concept of prayer. That's where we find the Beatitudes that ought to be in our lives. And so Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. He says, whenever you pray. So it's, it's implied here that we should be praying, and he says, whenever you pray. He begins kind of with a negative. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, how do the hypocrites pray? He says, they love to pray standing in a synagogue on the street corners to be seen by people. In other words, the hypocrites pray to be seen. They pray in a place of public acknowledgement. They're there at the synagogues on the street corners making a big deal about praying and they're doing it to be seen by people. So so Jesus says, well, I assure you, they've got their reward. And what would their reward be? Uh, the applause, the accolades of people. But Jesus turns the table and says, but you, right, followers of Christ, when you pray, go into a private room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, isn't this pretty fascinating? What the hypocrites want, we actually get if we're praying in secret. The hypocrites wanted to be seen so they pray in public. Jesus says, if you pray in public, I'll make sure you get seen. What is done in secret, I will make sure that you are rewarded. And then Jesus says this, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, but but when you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Okay, first he talked about the hypocrites. They're praying to be seen. Jesus says, don't pray to be seen. Go to your prayer closet, shut the door. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly when you pray, secondly, don't be like the idolaters. Don't go babbling on and on. Why? Because they imagine that they're going to be heard for their many words. They think the more we pray, the more we'll be heard. You know, sometimes the, the best and most effective prayer are the simple, short little prayers like, like, help me, Lord. I remember one time I was cruising on down the road and, and we were coming through Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, right there on, on Route 29. And it was a snowy, icy night, and all of a sudden, the car began to go back and forth and spun around. And and uh, and we and I just said, Lord, help me as we're spinning around there. And uh, I, amazingly, right, we spun around two or three times, my wife and I. We're in my in-law's brand new car. And, uh, and I said, Lord, Lord help us. And we ended up on the edge of the highway. And uh, I said, man, I can't get back up to the road. And so I, I said to my wife, I'm going to drive right down through that ravine and come up the other side. And I said, Lord, help me not to get stuck. And sure enough, we went down and that little ravine came right out the other side. And I was so worried that this brand new car that I was driving that didn't belong to me. I said, man, my in-laws are never going to forgive me for this one. And uh, we went to the car wash a few miles down the road. And I, I got all the ice off it, and all the mud off it. And you know, I couldn't find a scratch on that car. That little simple prayer, help me, Lord. I not only protected us, but protected that car. And so Jesus says, don't babble like the idolaters because they imagine they're going to be hurt for their many words. You know, some people just love to hear themselves speak. Jesus says, don't be like them because your father, he knows the things that you need before you ask. So so let's start with just a couple of points about prayer. Number one, Jesus said, don't focus on the words that you pray, but focus on the one to whom you are praying. In 2 Chronicles, we we are told that we're to believe in the Lord your God. And if you do, you'll be established, believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. So when we had this focus you know, you know, perseverance is more than just endurance. Oswald Chambers says, perseverance is much more than endurance. It is endurance combined with absolute assurance and certainty that what we are looking for is going to happen. You see, when my focus is on the one I'm praying to, I am going to be focused on him. I'm going to be determined to give him the glory. The psalmist put it this way, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from my fears. Now, now the emphasis is not delivering from my fears. It's emphasizing I sought the Lord. I focused on the Lord. And a byproduct is that I was delivered from my fears. As we seek the Lord, even he doesn't deliver us from our fears. He is there in the midst of our fears. So focus not on the words that you pray, but on the one that you pray Two, now Paul had a lot to say to the Colossian believers about this subject, and he says, you know, as I I hear about you, Colossian believers, he says, I have not stopped praying for you. He says, we continually ask that God will fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Now, how do I know I'm pleasing him in every way? Paul says that you're bearing fruit in every good work. You're growing in your knowledge of God. So when God is the focus, uh, Christ is the focus of my prayer, I'm growing in knowledge of God. I am strengthened, Paul says, with all power, according to his glorious might, so that I might have great endurance and patience. So listen, as I focus on God and I focus on Christ, I get His glorious might, I get great endurance. I get great patience. Next, I give thanks, and it's joyful thanks. It's not like, oh, okay, well, thanks, Lord. No, no, it is that exuberant joy, and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. You know, we're in the month of November. November is Thanksgiving month. Every day in November, you ought to thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Be joyful for all that he's done for you. And Paul says, you know what I'm joyful about? I'm joyful because God has qualified me to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Well, Paul doesn't stop there. He's not quite done yet. And he says, I'm thankful because God has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, that's Colossians 1, 9 through 14. What a powerful portion of Scripture this is. Now, if this doesn't revolutionize your prayer life, I don't know what will. But we focus on Christ as we pray. You know, prayer is one of the most powerful, yet also one of the most difficult practices of the Christian life. As humans, speaking to the omniscient, the all-knowing God, who is holy, we sometimes struggle to know how and what to pray. Sometimes we start off with really good intentions, and sometimes we pray, Lord, please keep me healthy, and please provide for me. But if prayer starts to sound more selfish than it ought to be, we should begin to transition and say, Lord, please don't let me feel anything bad in my life. And we have all these prayers that are materially uh, driven. I want you to know, if you will focus on Christ as you pray, all these other things will take care of. Of themselves. So maybe you're asking, well, well, how can I pray prayers that will glorify God and please him? How can I know that I'm praying in his will? How do I know that he will hear me? And how do I know when the promises will be answered? Well, we just read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And in this passage of Scripture, there are actually four different prayers that Paul is praying. So let's look at these four prayers quickly, okay? Verse number nine: Paul says, Lord, lead me. He's asking that the church in Colossae would be filled or controlled by the knowledge of the will of God, that the Lord would lead them, lead him. And as we see this, we see this is the spirit of God that is working in them. And and how does the spirit lead them? Through his word. And then Paul has a second prayer. The first prayer is, Lord, lead me. The second prayer is, Lord, grow me by requesting that the church would use this right knowledge of God to demonstrate right living for God. Paul describes the Colossians as going under this process of sanctification to bear fruit from the good work of their lives. So Paul prays, Lord, lead me, Lord, grow me. The third part of Paul's prayer is, Lord, strengthen me. He is hoping that the believers will tap into God's strength continuously, which will give them that endurance that they need to live and last through the trials. They're going to need this patience to show love to difficult people. Have you got anybody in your life that's kind of a difficult person, what I would call an EGR person, extra grace required person? Listen, we all have those kind of people in our lives. And if you're listening to today and say, well, I don't have any of those kind of people in my life, I want to let you know something. You are that person, right? You are that EGR person. We're either giving grace to somebody or we need grace to receive ourselves because we need it for ourselves. So so Paul is driving on the point, God, I need your strength. I need you to lead me. I need you to grow me. And then Paul ends verse number 12 through 14 by making a declaration. He says, Lord, I've asked you to lead me. I've asked you to grow me. I've asked you to strengthen me. Now, Lord, I'm saying thank you, Lord, thank you for all the things that you have done for me and for his people, giving us His great inheritance, great promises, delivering us from sin, adopting us into the family of God, redeeming us from the consequences sometimes of our sins. Paul shared these four prayers with the Colossae believers because he knew that God wanted them to be lifted up, that God wanted their heart to be encouraged. And here we are still today, still needing these same Types of prayer. Well, the first point I made about prayer is that we've got to focus on the one that we're praying to. You know, Jesus gave us permission also to focus on our needs. And as we focus on our needs, we should do it with simplicity and with humility. So I want to ask you just a couple questions, okay? Number one Is God glorified when my prayers are answered? Who gets the glory when your prayers are answered? to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Here's the second question. Am I more like Jesus when my prayers are answered? You know, if my prayers get answered and I become more selfish, I'm not sure that Jesus answered that prayer. As I am praying, I should be more like Jesus as he answers my prayers. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things you ought to pray. Lord, would you allow me to be more like you every day, every minute of the day? Question number three, am I more filled by the Holy Spirit when my prayers are answered? All right, so is God glorified? Am I more like Jesus? Am I more filled by the Spirit when my prayers are answered? Now, listen, if you're not, it could be that your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back down because as the Spirit of God answers your prayers, you are more filled with that Spirit because you are more surrendered to that Spirit. And here's the fourth question I want to ask you. When my prayers are answered, am I more guided by the Word as my prayers are answered? Hopefully you can say yes to that because you're tapping in and you are praying God's Word, you are receiving God's Word, so as your prayers are answered, you should be guided more by the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of pressure regarding prayer. You know, pressure to use the right words from the right hearts with the right amount of time, with the right desire, where does that pressure come from? It could be self. It could be worries or or, or what we think, or it could be Satan himself. He goes around and he loves to accuse us by accusing us in our heads and telling us that we are not qualified or that God is not listening. He would love to render us ineffective, allow us to be discouraged, filled with doubt, and distracted in our times of prayer. Yeah, we obviously pray with an imperfect faith, but we can pray with utter boldness because of what Christ has done for us to deal with our sin, to deal with our shortcomings. We pray in His name and through His righteousness, not our own righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit. It's our risen Savior who intercedes for us to the Father. These great truths should embolden our faith. You know, Martin Luther is remembered for many things, the 95 Theses and, uh, that he nailed on the uh, the castle door at Wittenberg and, and launching the Protestant Reformation, and those two things quickly come to mind. However, his thoughts on daily prayer are perhaps the most prolific. He is quoted as starting in the seasons of his business by saying he would rise and spend the first three hours of his day in prayer. He said without that time spent in prayer, he simply could not have functioned in the capacity that he needed. His own confession was his dire need for prayer. You see, many of us feel a shortage of time concerning prayer. You know, I spent a lot of time driving, and I drive back and forth to Newport News every single day. And as I was driving home the other day, a thought hit me. How am I using this time that I'm commuting? Am I using this time constructively? Oh, I listen to a lot of sermons, and that's good, and, and they're very encouraging, very inspiring. But I've decided that I need to spend more time as I'm driving praying. I'm just using that, that time that I'm commuting, just seeking the face of God. Now, as you're praying, cruising on the highway, obviously you pray with your eyes open, you're and you're fully alert as to your surroundings. And I find I, I can pray pretty well with my eyes open. And uh, the great thing about being in my car, I can even pray out loud uh, because I'm usually by myself, especially coming back from Newport News, and I find that this is a great time of prayer, just seeking God's face. As you think about praying, you can even ask the Lord to, to give you what you need uh, to pray. Uh, Lord, teach us how to pray. In Matthew 7, 7, remember what Jesus says, don't babble like the idolaters. You know, they imagine they're going to be hurt for their many words. So I don't pray uh, just so that I can hear myself praying. Uh, you know perhaps the most important part of prayer is that that we view and we address god and and as we address him, our prayers are more about Him than it is about ourselves. You know Jesus reveals in the model prayer that his Father is God, our Father which art in heaven, and he recognized that God is the king of the kingdom, he should be revered, he should be worshipped even before our needs are mentioned. You know He also encourages us in his model prayer to stop the mindless chatter. And to quit thinking that we will be heard because we have much speaking. You know, it's important that when we pray, we remember who he is. We recall the fact that this prayer is all about the one I'm praying to. It's not about me. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross. He humbled himself and he prayed a simple but profound prayer. He bowed his head and he got right to the point. Yeah, you know, we should keep this in mind. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He already knows our weaknesses. He knows our sins. He knows every need. We can pray with childlike simplicity, without hesitation and without pretense, surrendering to God all that we have, great and small, is a beautiful and a necessary act of worship. So when you pray, trust that God is present, that God is able to help you, and that you can freely come before Him just With childlike faith. When we quote the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it might be better described really as the model prayer or, or the disciples' prayer. And in it, we are just reminded how to pray by approaching God in worship first, being open and honest with Him about our needs. It is very appropriate to share our needs, but let's begin by acknowledging Him. And here's a simple type of prayer. To you alone, God, is glory and power. Yours alone is the kingdom rule that we desire. May our prayers always reflect the attitude of reverence and respect to your authority and your will. May our ever changing lives be easily characterized as people who long for you only and submit to you completely. May that attitude of surrender always mark how we pray. In a spirit of unity, Together we declare amen. You know, Jesus was very clear about how we should pray. You know, in the book of Exodus, Moses asked God what his first name was. And what a powerful introduction. Moses wanted to know who should he say has sent him to confront Pharaoh. What was God's response? God's response was very simple. I am who I am. That is, The living, eternal, ever-present, self-existent, holy, unchanging one is the one that is sending you. This personal name of God is so holy that many Jews would not even speak it out loud. They wouldn't even write it on a piece of paper. It's why when Jesus used this phrase, I am, he was accused of blasphemy. It's why the psalmist would write in his lament in Psalm 42 that he was searching for God, the living God. In a world full of idolatry the people of the Old Testament worked very hard to make sure that no mistake could be made regarding the identity of the one true living God. You now in our world today we are full of idol worship because we have idol hearts. I want to encourage you to be aware of the living presence of God Almighty as we pray to him. I want to give you just a few guidelines to help you as you go about praying. As you begin your prayer recognize that God is sovereign. He is who He claims to be. He is the one who bears the name of Sovereign One. In Hebrews eleven six, it reminds us that without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now, as we think about this, we must believe that He exists by acknowledging his existence, we are acknowledging his sovereignty, his control in our lives. Now, maybe this morning or this time when you're listening to this broadcast, maybe you're struggling, and you're not sure that God is in control of all parts of your life. You're not even sure that you've been born again. There's a passage of scripture that I, that, that really helped me when I was I was going through this time where I had these doubts about my salvation. And so I committed to memory part of the verse that I'm going to give you. 1 John 5, 13, 14, and 15. John is writing and he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John is writing and he says, The purpose of me writing to you Those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, I'm doing this so that you know you have eternal life. And then he continues. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. I love verse 13, right? John is saying, I've written these things so that you may know. So the word of God gives us the confidence that God is God. If you are doubting your salvation, it's because you're either not saved or you're not in the word. As you get into the word of God, that confidence will grow as you approach the throne of God. You're asking for things according to his will. He hears you and he does whatever you ask. Not because it's your will, but you're asking in his will. So, as we begin our time of prayer, we are to pray understanding that God is sovereign. Number two, we must believe that He is a God who responds. Jeremiah 33 This is what the Lord says The one who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is His name. Call to me, I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. In other words, when we pray to God, the one who formed the earth, established the earth, as we come before him, we are promised on the authority of God's word that he will respond and he will give us things that we do not know. Those unsearchable things that we don't even have enough sense to even look for. Those are the things that God is going to give back to us. There's a third part of our prayer. And the third part of the prayer is recognizing that God blesses those who seek His face. I'm going to close our, the moments that we have left looking at a final passage of Scripture. And it's Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to kind of break it down for us, taking it kind of phrase by phrase. It begins by saying, ask. And these are the words that are spoken by Jesus. This is what we would call the red-letter words, ask. Okay, so I'm going to ask and it will be given to you. Now, I wonder how many prayers never get answered because they're never offered. Ask, and it will be given to you. Okay, so we're asking. It doesn't stop there. Prayer is not inattention. As we pray for something, then we seek. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So we're putting feet to our prayer as we ask for something. Now we're going to follow through by seeking where God is leading us And that involves knocking on some doors, and Jesus, they'll be open to you. And then he says, Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks will find, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? In other words, Jesus is saying, If you ask for something, it's in my will, and you seek it, you're gonna get it. You're not gonna ask for bread and get a stone because you wouldn't do that to your children, God's not gonna do that for you. And then he gives another illustration. He says, if you ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? No, God gives us not evil, but he gives us good. If we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to us, to those who ask? Ask and you shall receive. So Lord, we pray today that we will have that capacity to begin our prayers recognizing you are God, recognizing that you will respond to our request and that you will bless us as we pray in your name. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always Hope for your heart.